Nashville. I'm Bucky. Juice Box. Uh, brand new old boy. Brand new old boy. I'm new every day. Uh, I guess you are. This is Monday, and as of 6 a.m. today, uh, we came off of a night-long curfew. Um, it, it seems like 2020 is going to be the year that goes down in historical measures, and kids are going to be studying this year for years and years to come. Well, hopefully it's for good reasons. Hopefully right. it's because of change that happens and not for yeah. something Correct. else. Something positive comes out of it. So yeah. we're officially off curfew. We don't know if it's going to happen again tonight. but um, and, and what we want to do is we want to bring an episode to kind of get your mind away from what's happening in the world right now. And we, at the end of this episode, we are going to take a moment to address things that are going on, not only in Nashville, but you know across the country. And so with that being said, uh, today's episode is entitled The Gray-Eyed Man of Destiny, which sounds great, right? It, it sounds like this guy, whoever the gray-eyed man of destiny is, was destined to do something great. Uh, we're talking, and, and again, this, this podcast is called Raising Nashville, yep. so we bring to light things about Nashville and raising children and you know other things as well but we have found something that is unbelievable from a local and native nashvillian and we're not talking about somebody who moved here in the last 10 years we're talking about somebody from murfreesboro not somebody no (laughs) we're talking about a native nashvillian born and raised here and went on to do uh incredible slash unspeakable things yeah yeah (laughs) i don't know if i i guess incredible in a way but i mean spoiler alert everybody this guy is a real piece of shit right we're not he's not going to be celebrated yeah no and the subject of today's podcast is a guy named william walker and when i i first heard the name william walker i said oh great we're gonna we're gonna cover some like guy who came here to make it in country music and ended up, you know, murdering a bunch of fast food people. But uh, that is not true. That sounds vaguely familiar. It kind of does. Um, But William Walker is a very common name. It could be somebody you went to high school with. It could be, like I said, an aspiring country musician. That's a very country music name. It could be somebody who uh, was the first American, so to speak, to become president of another country. <laughs> By force. <laughs> By force. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. The first person, the first American to ever become president of another country was born right here in Nashville, Tennessee. We're now, so the, proud. The way he went about it was not the most idealistic. No. He ha- Maybe he had his own ideals about what he was about to do. But we want to bring to you the story of William Walker, and this this is kind of inspired by a podcast we were listening to uh, called Behind the Bastards. Right, it's um, a two part episode. It's it's really good. It is, and if you have a hundred and fifty eight odd minutes to listen to both parts, we suggest that you go do that. But what we're going to do today is kind of provide the cliff notes um, because right, that's if, what if we're you, good at. If you <laughs> we're great. If you don't have a hundred and fifty eight minutes. Try our 40-something. and, and uh, Yeah, I, I want to – I think Juicebox can kind of talk – because, I, I mean, I grew up here my whole life, never heard of this clown. Me but, either. But Juicebox was – tell us how you found out about this dude. First off, I want to say that it is pretty interesting that, like, his history's kind of been buried, you know? Sure. Even as – I guess it's because he's such a piece of shit, just like a terrible person, like – we do, Nashville doesn't want to remember him, but I Rightly mean, so. like like Bucky said, first president of another country or whatever. That's a big deal. Anyway, I first heard about this dude like three years ago when Dana and I were in Costa Rica, um, and we're on like this little canoe tour on lake there, like by Arnall Volcano, like you know, amazing vacation trip, amazing spot to go. We we're with this tour guide who's you know like probably you know, twenties maybe early thirties, younger cool dude. Like we're just canoeing around. And he's like, where are you guys from? We're like, Nashville. And he's like, oh, Nashville, Tennessee. And we're like, yeah. And he's like, do you know who William Walker is? 
and we Does were like make bourbon and we were like no and i think i vaguely even remember saying you know thinking something like bucky said like is he talking about a musician or something yeah. like no this guy like hipped us to who this guy was and like how he basically tried to take over several countries in central america and was like fought off by several of these central american countries and right. just like i was like I was blown away when he was telling me the story, and then I had to go back and like look him up, and I was like, right. I was yeah. like, this dude, this story is crazy. It's it, kind of the equivalent to somebody coming maybe potentially to our country and no, not knowing about uh, who led the the uh, Southern forces in the Civil War. Bedford Forest, Nathan yeah, Bedford Nathan Forest. Nathan Bedford yeah. Forest. Um, and that guy was terrible as well. Yeah, so another clown. Juicebox finds out about this. We find this podcast. We listen to it. We do a bunch of research, and we're going to bring to you today the story of William Walker, which is actually an insane story. Um, before we get into it, uh, we like to do some. Uh, we like to do a thing. Uh, this stems from a former podcast. It is included in this one. When we have something good, uh, we want to do a segment called Plot by Juicebox. And that is where we read the Wikipedia paragraph about William Walker and the then synopsis. kick it back to Juicebox for his uh, interpretation of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this paragraph right now. William Walker was an American physician, lawyer, journalist, and mercenary who organized several private military expeditions into Latin America with the intention of establishing English-speaking colonies under his personal control an enterprise then known as filibustering. Right, filibustering. All right, and then we'll do plot by juice box, the, the, the actual the gist. Tale. A racist frat boy recruits his racist drunk frat brothers to take over a Central American country. Ends up failing his way upward and becoming president of Nicaragua. He then loses that power and actually ends up answering for his crimes, possibly the last white man with power to have to do so. <laughs> That's yes. spot on. I love the frat aspect of that. So let's go ahead and get into William Walker's life. Um, he was born May 8th, 1824. Uh, when you think about 1824, that means Tennessee has only been a state for 28 years at this point. He was born in Nashville, Tennessee, to parents James Walker, who was a businessman, and Mary Norvell, who was... A businesswoman. Uh, yeah, but kind of like an artist, kind of like a, I don't know, she she was outspoken. She wasn't just like that stay-at-home gotcha. wife yeah, uh, yeah, or, you know, household mother. Um, uh, William Walker was born into a, a pretty big military and political family. Mary Norvell's dad, his name is Lipscomb Norvell. I don't think he has anything to do with the college here in Nashville. Uh, but Lipscomb Norvell actually had like 13 or 14 kids. Uh, 12 of them were boys, so William Walker has 12 uncles. All 12 of his uncles are in uh, military, political, or journalism in some form or fashion. They were in Nashville. They were in a prominent part of Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, they were a little bit more wealthy than others, so I would say like upper middle class, potentially lower high class. Um, they were slave owners, and at an early age, William Walker disagreed with owning slaves. Uh, when he was a kid. It is said that he was kind of a somber kid. Um, th this was an odd thing that we picked up from that podcast, Behind the Bastards. Right. He never laughed. There is literally documentation from his friends or people that he knew growing up that said never once did he laugh out loud. Uh, he also had a very effeminate look about him. Yeah, uh, I, w I was confused about what they were, what that meant. I, I was too. So William Walker grows up, uh, you know, in Nashville, parents, slave owners. He's going to school. Turns out that he's a smart kid. Um, super smart, yeah, apparently. Super smart. And, you know, he wasn't really that athletic. He just kind of kept to himself. Um, so he put his mind in the books so much so that in 1837, he finished his primary school at only 13 years old. Now that's the equivalent of us finishing high school at 13. Kind of hard to no, fathom, right? Much, yeah. I, I've got a 10 year, 10 and a half year old kid. I can't imagine him, you know, getting through this in just two years. I don't know. He could probably could, your Asher probably could have gone to McGavick and he, graduated. He is pretty smart. Um, so get this, this is even crazier. Uh, in 1838, 
at the age of 14, he graduated summa cum laude from the University of Nashville. Meaning, at 14 years old, this kid entered college. Or 13, he entered college. At 14, he graduated college. He's like Doogie Howser. Something like that. Yeah. But you've got to also understand that back then, college was a year-round thing. You went to school every single day. So, you know, it was, it, it's been said that you, you have to study everything from, you know, physics to, you know, what's the smart math thing? Like trigonometry. It is also said that that college did not stand for three things. Going to the theater, attending horse races, and huh. dancing. So it's like footloose. So basically, he finished the University of Nashville by age 14, meaning uh, just one year of general studies in college. He graduated, and then he went to Edinburgh, I think that's how you pronounce it, it uh, and got, uh, studied medicine for a couple of years. Um, then he got his degree from the University of Pennsylvania at age 19. So at this point, this kid has graduated college summa cum laude. Mm-hmm. He has also got a medis- medical degree. Went to Scotland, yeah. At 19. Yeah. I don't think I went to college till I was 19. So, when he graduated from the University of Pennsylvania at 19, he decided then that he wanted to move to Paris. Um, and what he was going to do in Paris was extend this medical knowledge, and it's called practice. You know, he, he wanted to get into the practice of medicine. He gets to Paris, and one of the, my favorite stories about Paris is when he got there, uh, he had an issue with some things that were going on in Paris at the time, which was infidelity, having multiple partners, um, basically having sex with anybody you wanted to. Yeah, men men and women all had a side piece, basically. They had multiple side multiple, pieces. Multiple, yeah. And yeah. those side pieces had side pieces. Right. I mean, it was just a fuck fest in Paris at this time, and he in had a big 1800s. issue with right. it, right? So a smart kid who's very uh, grounded to his morals, it sounds like this guy's going to turn out great, right? He's going to be just the, the no. model of what a human should mm. be, right? So... Very shortly after he moved to Paris, he had an issue with that. He did not like practicing medicine anymore. He decided, okay, I got this degree for medicine. I'm done with it. Then in 1844, so we're talking he's 20 years old, uh, James K. Polk is elected president. James K. Polk came from the state of Tennessee. Yes, he did. He was a family friend with the Walkers. And uh, like Mary Norvell knew knew his wife and the the James Walker and James K. Polk, you know, bounce back and forth on ideas and stuff. So he's elected president. And this is the opportunity for William Walker, who knows James K. Polk, to move back to America. So he did. He's like, I'm done with medicine. I'm done with these people fucking in Paris. I'm going to go back home and see what's up. You right. know, uh, I, I need to get back to America. I could I could understand. So when he comes back, he does not go to Nashville. He actually goes to New Orleans. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, the reason he went to New Orleans was to study law. So this okay. kid graduates college, has a medical degree, and now he's into law. Right. Uh, again, very smart kid. Um, he actually passed the bar in 1847, so three years after he moved back to the United States. Uh, so three, so now he's got a law degree, a medical degree, and a college undergrad. Um, but while he was in New Orleans, he had an, another issue, which is another deeply grounded moral thing. He did not like the profanity that was going on in New Orleans. Man, he chooses... The- you choose the wrong right. city. Right. No, no shit. <laughs> I mean, do you think, uh, and this is an honest question, do you think they had the dungeon back then? I have I have no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it is underground. If you I guys think... don't know what I'm t- we're talking about, our favorite bar in New Orleans is called The Dungeon. It opens at midnight. That is not my favorite bar in New Orleans. <laughs> it's old boy's favorite bar in New Orleans. It, no, it doesn't open at midnight. It opens when it gets dark. I thought it opened at midnight, it like d- vampire. It style. does open like it. I think. I think I, it does. I think it's just when it gets dark. I think. So anyway, William Walker is in New Orleans. He's got a problem with people, uh, the profanity of people, the way people carry themselves. He gets his law degree, passes the bar. Uh, also in New Orleans, he meets uh, potentially the love of his life. This is even crazier. Her name is Ellen Martin. She was a deaf mute. Meaning could not hear, could not speak. At this point, I'm starting to see. Now, I know the whole story. You guys are about to find out the story. But I'm starting to see that a deaf mute is easy to do whatever you want 
with, right? Like, it, not, I'm, I don't mean, I mean somebody who yeah, potentially has going? an opinion but has to write it down. Well, I guess um, it'd be hard for her to to cuss. True. Yeah. And nobody else is probably wants her as a side piece. Is that what you're trying to I'm say? Not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can voice your opinions or be more overly aggressive towards somebody like that. But he wasn't. He loved her. And he was infatuated with her. And uh, in two years later, in 1849, after meeting her, she actually died of yellow fever that was taking over New Orleans at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were a lot of people that had to evacuate New Orleans because the yellow fever was just swooping. Right. You know, the entire town. Uh, She battled with it for about six weeks. And on her deathbed, he was just completely distraught. And it was the first time he really had shown emotion in his life to other people, um, which probably never happened again after that moment. Right. Because it is said that after she died... He became very cold. He was uh, calculated. He was very violent. Um, at this time, he used his law degree. He had the law degree. He actually went moved over to journalism and started working at a newspaper in New Orleans. He was bashing other journalists who were not, you know, reporting right things. Um, he was using that as an outlet of aggression. He was just getting all of this out and saying, you know. Uh, you guys are doing this wrong. In fact, I'm going to say whatever I want at this point. I'm not going to have a filter. All of this is coming out because I'm just pissed. You know, my girlfriend, who I thought was going to be my wife, is now dead. I have nothing. So he used all of that to rage. And uh, then what came next? The, the next part of the story is pretty interesting because this is when he starts Moves to turn. Um, do, do you think he ever laughed again? Do you think he ever laughed his whole life? I don't know if he did. I mean, I know he probably wasn't laughing after that, but that's... Yeah, the one emotion that he did show was... uh, Tears. Sad. Yeah, sadness. I I have another question. All that studying, do you think he studied, like, you know, cultures of other, you know... No. (laughs) No. No. Um, I think the furthest reach he did culturally was being forced to learn, like, Greek and Latin, because back then those were tongues that you had to speak or at least cultural studies yeah that's a that's a shame no um Hmm. so in the 40s there was a guy named general lopez and william walker became infatuated with this guy and what he was doing which was filibustering and we have to say this uh just because uh, it means something different filibustering to the society now means you stand up and you talk for hours and hours on end until you think you've gotten your point across or you reach a certain time limit. I, I don't really know what it is. I know or to waste time. I, to waste time. I think the uh, United Kingdom still does it a lot, but we don't really do it we in do this it. country. Yeah, do we? Yeah, yeah, we, we do, do it here too. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's where you could talk for literally 24 hours, but you do not stop. As soon as you stop, your filibuster is over. Right. Back then in the mid-1800s, uh, filibuster means something completely different. Uh, it is actually groups of people or one person that uh, organizes private militias who invade other countries to conquer and pose their own rules and beliefs. <laughs> Literally, you have an idea that there's this small country out there and you're going to go, hey, I'm going to go take this country over. I'm going to run it. I'm going to run it the way I think countries should be ran based on my upbringing. Drunk frat boys. Yes. And... Uh, that's how we're going to live. We're going to, we're going to take this country over and it's all because I want to, not because you want to, I'm going to offer you a few things in this country, maybe some land, maybe some, uh, multiple side pieces. Maybe you can cuss as much as you want. Right. Maybe you can own slaves. Okay. Well, okay. I think another part of it too was like the end game for a lot of these people, if they could pull this off was that then their new country would be absorbed by like the United States or the United Kingdom or some other like, you know, world power or whatever. Sure. Like they're going off on their own, conquering this comp- country and then being, you know, being like, hey, uh, you want this land? And for historical purposes, you will always be known as the guy who did that. According to Juicebox's trip to Costa Rica, he is still known for the guy who did or attempted to do that. Uh, he's a big deal there, but in, like, you know, in, in a negative way. Yeah, you think it's like well Hitler known. to Germany? Uh, I don't necessarily no, know Hitler. I, but, yeah, I don't, I mean. But they, he, he's, a, he's a household name down there. They know him as an enemy. Yeah, and, and they celebrate like. His defeat. Yeah, sure. So back to George Lopez, uh, general, not George, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. I don't mean to offend you, George Lopez. Back to General Lopez, who William Walker became obsessed with when he was being a when he was a journalist at a newspaper in New Orleans. Um, General Lopez was uh, a guy in Cuba, and Cuba at the time was owned by Spain, or Spain had control of Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, Spain had a control of a couple of other countries as well. They were a big power, um, and they were at that time in the forties eight. 1840s, not 1940s, uh, they were declaring all of their countries free countries, meaning slavery could no longer happen. And they were going basically country by country by country. And General Lopez in Cuba knew that it was going to happen to them. So he said no. Um, He did not want that. And his reasoning behind it is because General Lopez was afraid that there would be a slave uprising. Once you free the slaves, then they're going to come after you for enslaving them for so long, right? Um, So he had... Yeah, sounds feasible. Yeah, so he hatched this scheme uh, to get the United States to invade Cuba and take control of the country. The reason is because he had this motivation that he wanted to keep slavery around. For him, it was beneficial. For a lot of his people, it was beneficial. And he thought that, or he tried to tell people that this country is going to be overrun. There's going to be civil wars. There's going to be all kinds of stuff go on unless we stop Spain from doing this. So he tried to trick the United States into fighting with Spain over Cuba, taking over Cuba. Now it's the United States' property, right? Gotcha. Uh, the United States said no. Um, yeah. I mean, immediately. They were like, no. Not, uh, we're, not we're, yeah, we're not getting involved. Um, but another one of uh, the way he tried to trick people into it, and he got William Walker in on this, is to say Cuba is so close to Florida. We're in the 1840s. You got to think our Civil War didn't happen until like 1861. Mm-hmm. So 21 years, he got William Walker to convince people through media that uh, this is so close to Florida, this could happen in your country. You better come help. Right. Like if you don't come help and this happens, they could get on boats You're and go next. over there. Yeah. And it's just going to infect Fear. your country. Yeah. So um, when the United States said no, General Lopez actually started recruiting Americans himself. This is the first like story that I can tell of filibustering. And it's kind of where Will- William Walker potentially got this idea. Inspired, yeah. So he supported him, uh, you know, again, was convinced that it was too close to the United States and this could, you know, cause slavery to be, you know, to abolish in the United States. And he went to General Lopez, went to New York and started recruiting people off the streets. And I think this is where William Walker gets this idea of the drunk frat boy thing, (laughs) uh, which we'll get to later in the story. But he recruits a bunch of people. He goes back to uh, Cuba with them and attempts to do that. Um, It fails. You know, it, mm-hmm. it just, it, it doesn't work. He, General Lopez doesn't have the power to recruit people off the streets when the, their own country is saying no. Their own country actually came out, the United States, and said, if you do this and you do this with him, we do not support you. You are no longer basically close to, you are no longer a citizen of our country. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought that was against the law or some, something like that. Yeah, so they were pissed. Uh, he fails deeply. You know, Cuba ends up becoming a free country or free, you know, uh, state, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, uh, William Walker's like, all right, cool. That didn't work, so let's move on to something else. Shit, I've graduated high school, at, or graduated high school at 13, graduated college at 14, got a medical degree at 19. When I was 21, I was a lawyer. Uh, now I'm a journalist at a newspaper. Lost. All by the time... He's 25 now? All by the time we would have graduated college today. All of that. Um, and, and that's pretty insane to think. So he decided he was done with New Orleans after, you know, the failed Cuba attempt. Uh, in 1850, he actually set sail south out of New Orleans through the Panama Canal, and it took him five months to get to San Francisco. All right. Uh, so he moves to San Francisco, and he immediately gets a job at the Daily Herald newspaper. This, San Francisco, is where the story and the plot thickens a lot right up until this point this guy's great other than supporting uh slavery when he didn't he didn't support slavery when he was a kid then he starts to get the idea 
to, appeal, to appeal to recruits, basically. So he takes off and he, he moves to San Francisco. Yep. All right. So I'm, I pick up the story here uh, in the summer of 1853. He's living in San Francisco. He's decided I'm going to go down and I'm going to conquer parts of Mexico. Okay. <laughs> he just decided. Right. So because of the failed Cuba attempt, he's like, I can do it better than that. Of course. Guy. I mean, he's a smart dude. So he thinks if I can graduate high school at 13, I can probably. <laughs> Which brings up a great point. In a previous co- podcast, and we have mentioned this in a few different podcasts, we are still cannot understand how a guy like Jack Daniel can start a distillery when he was like nine or like 12 or something like that. Right. And now I'm. Getting a better understanding. We're starting to learn. It's like the whole th- t- 30s, the new 20 or whatever, meaning we're 10 years behind 20. This was like 24 is the new nine. Like, I mean. <laughs> nine is the new 24. Nine is the new, yeah. You're right. And I mean, people died so early back in the day. So, yeah, you got to get a lot done real quick. Sure. Yep. Okay. So, all right. 1853. Walker uh, travels down to, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. Uh, Guaymas seeking a grant from the government of Mexico to create a colony. Uh, he said the colony would serve as a fortified frontier protecting U.S. soil from Indian raids. And Mexico said, no, thank you. <laughs> 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 We're good. So he said, hey, Mexico, give me some money. And I'm going to come down there and colonize and I'll make everything right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you give me money to do that. It's, it's almost like he was like, I'll try the peaceful way. I don't really want to. And when they said no, he's like, well, fuck it. I've, I'm going to do it anyway. I've I'll already got anyway. these plans drawn up. Exactly. So, all right. So, Walker returned to San Francisco, determined to get his colony. So, back in San Fran, he started recruiting uh, American supporters of slavery, like we talked about. And most of them came from uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. Which, California was a free state in in that time. It, it was, right. So, and and, he, and this is where Manifest Destiny, he's he's really spouting off about Manifest Destiny. And for those who don't know what Manifest Destiny is, it's it was the belief that the U.S. and its citizens were destined by God to expand across the continent and inhabit the regions uh, and to institute American ideals on indigenous people. So, he, he's just... He, this is the way we do Right, it. he's spouting all this stuff. He's saying, hey, man, come down, help me, help me uh, take over this territory, <laughs> start this new country. And I'll give you, yeah, I'll, I'll say slavery is okay, and you can have slaves down there. So around this time, he created the Republic of Sonora, um, based kind of off the success of, of the Republic of Texas. So I'm not going to get into the history of Texas, but um, so off basically Texas's history, he's going to try and do the same thing with the Republic of Sonora. Mm-hmm. With his supporters, he set out to conquer uh, the Baja California Territory and state of Sonora. I think that's Baja. Yeah. It's okay. You mean when I go to Taco Bell, I've been I've been ordered a Baja Blast this whole time. <laughs> they, they were probably that drive-through person. It's like, what is this guy? Man, again? Nobody has corrected me. This guy's back again. Just get him his fucking beef burrito and his Baja Blast. I'm kidding. I know it's Baja. Uh, he, wait, right. wait, wait, wait. You get a beef burrito from Taco Bell? Yeah, I, I request it. Oh. Uh, try it try it so all right so i want to point this out when he set out to conquer this this territory he only had 45 men in his company <laughs> which is basically like an nfl team yeah not even right <laughs> not that even. is it i mean that's it that's like the titans he yeah. just grabbed the titans went down was like i'm gonna an entire country i'm gonna take you can't even beat the patriots but you're gonna take over an entire country no but doubt. that's i i I read a lot of numbers like that too, and it was like kind of blowing me away. But then you have to think like there's not that many people. Like it's still sparsely populated, like area, the areas of Mexico that he was trying to conquer. So anyway, uh, he 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 managed to capture uh, La Paz, the capital of uh, Baja, California. Thank you. <laughs> which he declared as the new capital of Lower California with himself as president. He also incorporated and put into place the state laws of Louisiana, which recognized slavery like he, he had been spouting off about, which is funny. 
let me get this straight. Did he just name his new country Lower California? Right. It, yeah. Yes. He wasn't even that creative. No, that well, wasn't his strong suit. And that's the thing too. Like he just took like Louisiana's state charter or whatever and just adapted it and made it his own. Exactly. Like he's he's not creative. Like if you're gonna take over and create a new country, rewrite that damn charter and put some interesting shit in there beyond yeah. just like oh yeah, slavery's legal again. Like everybody's got to wear a a top hat on Wednesdays or something. Baja Blast for everybody. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think his best friend, when he was trying to put this Louisiana State Charter in uh, that had traveled with him potentially, was like, man, I thought you hated New Orleans. Right. Like, why are you doing this? Uh, yeah, I, I clearly don't get it because uh, he came from California, like we said. It was a free state, but he didn't adopt Cal. It's lower. Anyway, whatever. Well, that, because, yeah, because it, of slavery. He wasn't right, but it was all because slavery. of slavery. Yeah. So... Um, all right, so, and remember, none of this is sanctioned by the U.S. government. All right, so he's doing all this, conquering countries, setting up all this stuff, and uh, none of it's sanctioned by the U.S. So, fearful of a full retaliation by Mexico, he moves his HQ to Cabo, San Lucas, which seems nice. like the best, which, right? You know, I mean, if you're going to, yeah, if I'm going to set up a country or whatever. And so Girls in bikinis and, you know, daiquiris. He's <laughs> like, this place looks tempting. Yeah, right, in dude. 1853. <laughs> I like to think that they still had that back then. I mean, you got this beautiful place, but nobody could have a side piece in Cabo San Lucas. Uh, so anyway, so uh, the best, uh, the, the, nice location, except for the whole, you know, colonial infringement part of it. This was, um, this was a short-lived, and then he moved his HQ to Ensenada, further up the peninsula. He declared uh, Baja California as part of his Republic of Sonora, although he never gained control of the area. Uh, he only had forty-five people. But why? Why was he? Why did he keep moving? Like, we, he, he was just scared. didn't like it. Because the army, like the Mexican army, or like some kind of militia or something, was basically forcing him to move. They right. caught on to him. He didn't have right. enough reinforcements, really. And like, he was like getting pushed. They back. were like, we thought we said no, and he, now you're back. So He, he had some skirmishes with, with uh, the military, the Mexican military, but nothing like full on. But it was enough to like, he was afraid, like, damn, if they really <laughs> if they really want to, they could probably. So he, he just moved it further up north, get a little closer to home base, you uh -huh. know. So Lack of supplies and strong resistance from Mexico soon forced Walker to retreat back into California, where he was captured by the authorities, U.S. authorities. Back in San Francisco, he was put on trial for conducting an, elite, an illegal war. Uh, good for the state of California to do that. And his crime was uh, going against the Neutrality Act of 1794. Of the, course. The right. United States is like, hey, don't – we, we already said we're not going to – Dude. Start a war with Mexico. What yeah. are what you, are you doing? Who? So it, the the Neutrality Act of 1794 makes it illegal for an American citizen to wage war against any country at peace with the U.S. And uh, the it's only a, a misdemeanor. God. <laughs> wow. A misdemeanor. A missy misdemeanor. So okay. I've got like four of those. I, right. They, I was like, that's like me going on vacation saying, you know what, I'm going to fucking conquer this country and then getting slapped on the wrist. They've really tightened the misdemeanors these days. No, I mean, no like public intoxication, I think, is a misdemeanor. <laughs> so, all right. So with this, with the, the whole Manifest Destiny thing going on in the nation at the time um, and all, all that, I guess. So he goes to trial. The jury deliberates for eight total minutes and acquit. They give him an acquittal verdict. So not guilty. Is that what you're saying? Yep. He gets nothing. He gets no no trouble at all. You went against our will. You broke this free act, and we told you not to do it. Mexico told you not to do it. You come back. They can't really probably couldn't charge him with much because nobody had tried this. I'm assuming, or maybe people had tried it, but I mean, if it, it must be a thing if you had to put a whole act in there, right? I guess. Yeah, from what I read, that not only did he was he not guilty or acquitted, people were like cheering. Oh, in he's the a courtroom. fucking hero! Yeah, yeah, people loved it. People ate it up. There was uh, on that podcast we listened to. There was like Broadway shows about him in New York. Yeah, yeah, which so, was crazy to weird. think about because I mean you think the north was more progressive than that but i guess there's racists everywhere yeah they're everywhere so homeboy takes a year off and uh then sets his sights on nicaragua <laughs> yeah so he's like i failed in mexico this general lopez failed in cuba nicaragua however that's further mm, south right yeah not as big 
maybe we can do this. So I I have to correct you real quick, Bucky. You said um, that he that William Walker went through the Panama Canal to get to San Francisco from Louisiana. The Panama Canal actually did not exist right. until the early 1900s. So it was like it was tough to get any like from New York to San Francisco or goods or whatever. I just assumed it was because they they took off on ship. Well, the only reason I'm going to correct you is because like that that kind of plays into his his role in Nicaragua and some of You're the right. like his time in Nicaragua. So basically, like before the Panama Canal. There was a route that went through the San Juan River um, from the Atlantic side into something called Lake Nicaragua, which is like a huge lake that's close to the western side. And then they have like from there they transported stuff. I think like maybe on stagecoach or something By to land. like the next port, and then they sail up to the gotcha. west coast. So. That is actually controlled by the accessory transit company, who's own, what that's owned by Cornelius Vanderbilt, the richest one of the richest men in, ever. Right. Okay. So anyway, you know, he's um, William Walker's back in San Francisco. He's like hanging out. He's enjoying being somewhat famous, like, but he's not really doing anything there. Enjoying <laughs> being famous for failing. Yeah, basically failing yeah, upward. Right. Um. So anyway, he gets word from Francisco Castiglione, who is a member of the Democratic Party in uh, Nicaragua. And they have just had a civil war break out, basically. So there's the Legitimist Party, and they're based in Granada. Then there's the Democratic Party, and they're based in Lyon. So basically, to get around this whole uh, illegal, conducting an illegal war thing that he already got in trouble for, he had to have uh, Castiglione, like basically sign a document that says we need these people to come down and help colonize or help something. There was like some loophole to get him down there. Right. So he rounds up 60 dudes um, and sets sail for Nicaragua. I think it's funny because like they don't really talk about it too much in the Wikipedia thing and some of the other articles I read, but um, on that behind the bastards podcast, you know, Obviously, they did a lot more research than we did, but sure, they talk about yeah. how basically this is just like a drunken frat party, like this boat ride down to Nicaragua. Like these guys yeah. were just like, he's out on the street, like, hey, what are you doing? You want to go take over a country? <laughs> and these dudes are like, yeah. And we're like, hey, we got a keg of beer on the <laughs> on yep. the boat. The yeah. number that you just said befuddles me. It's like the first time I tried with 45. Now let's just try with 15 more people. Maybe yeah. that will work. Yeah. Well, okay. So when he like land, when he gets to Nicaragua, he gets 110 more people like reinforcements from, right. um, from Castileone. Yeah. Okay. So he tries to attack this city called Rivas. And it's, you know, it's a stronghold for the... Um, the Legitimist Party. It's also very close to this route that's owned by Cornelius Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know, okay. and, and he is uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt and his company had struck up a deal with like the former government of Nicaragua or whatever to basically just like have this route. And he was the only person that controlled it, and, you know, and had a monopoly on it. Yada yada yada. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of. I'm not going to go into a bunch of battle details of, of right, his yeah, conquest yeah. in Nicaragua. You know, but basically, like he attacks this town, Rivas. He's he's um, defeated or not defeated, but he doesn't take it over, but inflicts mass casualties on the on their forces. So then regroups for like a month, comes back and attacks again and takes over the country, or takes over that city, basically defeating them and taking over the country. This time he was like, I'm not going to fail. If I fail once, just get up and try again. Sounded like it worked. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So well, a lot of deaths, lives lost. Yeah. So from that, he becomes like the head general of the army or something like that. And basically, there there is a president, but he's like the puppet president behind right. this guy. Like he's controlling everything. He's the wizard. He's the wizard. So all that was in, you know, October 1855. Um, I think, you know, he's he's got his puppet president for like until 1856. And then he basically holds a fraudulent election and declares himself president. So then... He is now president of Nicaragua. The first thing, one of the first things he does is he, like slavery had been made illegal in Nicaragua in 1821. He gets rid of that, makes slavery legal again, declares uh, English the national language of Nicaragua, <laughs> which hardly anybody there speaks. And he gets in bed basically with uh, the some of uh, Vanderbilt's yeah, not nemesis, but you know, like oh. like competitors. Competitors. Right. At this point, can I just say that he is thirty-two years old when right. this is going on? 
Like, uh, this is a lot. I'm 38. I got a question. Mm-hmm. I got a question. So you've outlawed slavery for 30 years, mm-hmm. and then you just bring it back. Like, what does that mean? Like, what, like, do you, I guess you have to, like, I guess, what, go capture slaves and... and you just well, make it so. This is, this is uh, right, right, filibustering right. or colonizing. You yeah. say, this is what's going to happen. This whole entire time, he has, like, got a pipeline to the southern states. Like, hey, I'm doing okay, this. This right. is going on. So he's, like, getting money and some reinforcements through that and also, you know, trying to sell these people on, hey, I'm going to take over this country. You it's can come here. down here and take and over some land and you can bring your slaves with you slave. because okay. it's legal. And everybody I'm here, I'm going to need you guys to go back to school and learn English because at this point, I don't care how old you are this is what we're speaking this is it yeah Yeah. if if you're not speaking english don't speak to me i'm just thinking like all right so you know it's a free state now you know if i if i were a former slave i'm thinking no 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 man like right i I would say so yeah i would think it'd just be instant revolt but i think what juice box said he was convincing people to bring their oh sure i i I get that i know it's naive of me but i'm just thinking like I, i don't know how people didn't Okay, so anyway, he he's the president of Nicaragua. He, he is officially, like, his administration is officially recognized by Franklin Pierce, the president of the United States at the time in 1856. Mm-hmm. So he is, like, seemingly on his way to some sort of legitimacy with his whole dream of taking over a, a country with some frat boys. So, I mean, I mean yeah, they, they recognize it. So in some form or fashion, yeah, I guess it is as corrupt and bullshit as it is i guess it's i'm gonna be honest with you i read that too and i did not remember franklin pierce as a united states president okay so anyway he's you know he's made enemies with vanderbilt now because he shut down this trade route and giving it to the other people like you know under the pretense of giving it back to nicaragua or whatever don't do that so this dude is pissed so he he sends it was it was in a couple different articles i read it was like he sent some of his own secret agents. Like, yeah, I you guess. know, Vanderbilt just has secret agents on his payroll. He sends them down to Costa Rica to basically start organize, helping organize a revolt against Walker to, yeah. like, defeat him and get him out of the area. Costa Rica was also kind of like, and, like, Honduras and the, some of the surrounding ca- countries were also kind of like, well, what the hell is going on over here? This sure. Is, this dude is, like, crazy. There's... He'll, He's probably going to try to like spread out even more. Is so he everybody here next. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So everybody's a little uneasy. So you know, Vanderbilt <laughs> gets his people involved. The Costa Rican army, uh, along with Honduran army and um, El Salvador. Okay. Um, they all team up, and they're like, their goal is to get rid of Walker. So they attack, but it's like he has a stronghold in Granada, and it's like they're very like he has well placed guns, and it's like they they take a lot of losses. He's perching. He, yeah. He's up top. He's like a uh, old boy in video games. He just sits on the tower and takes people just out. Sniping I don't even, people out. I don't yeah. even know what that means. Squatting. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't understand your <laughs> your words. So anyway, there there is a very famous story about a a guy named Juan Santa Maria. Um, the actual the Costa Rican airport, their main airport, um, is named Juan Santa Maria Airport. This guy is like in the army, and they're like, or you know, in this militia or whatever you want to call it. And they're like, can't get, they can't make any ground or can't get up, you know, can't break this stronghold. So this guy is like volunteers. He's like, look, I will run up to this stronghold and set it on fire. So they're flushed out. He's like, my only thing I ask is that you take care of my mother if I die. Pretty badass. So this dude runs up there, gets shot, still sets the thing on fire and like turns the tide of this battle. So they're like, you know, they have to retreat. Uh, William Walker pieces out, um, runs away. He leaves like some of his generals and some other people there, and with the orders of just burn the city to the ground. So that's what they do. They just literally level the entire city of Granada, burn it down. There's nothing left. I think if one, you can't have if you can't have this, or if I can't have this, neither can you. Yeah, I mean it's this it, fucker, dude. But that that what'd you say his name? Juan Santa Maria. I yeah, mean, how fucking boss is that? That's a, a national suicide. hero. That's a, yeah. So anyway, Walker's defeated. He has to return to America. And once he does, he's like still pretty celebrated in the South. Like people are like, this dude, all these racists are like, this dude's a badass. He went down to another country, took it over, was the president for a year. He's what I want to be. <laughs> like, Maybe less. Yeah. So anyway, he's like 
this whole time he's just stewing. Like he's like thinks that he is actually still the rightful president of Nicaragua. He can't believe that he was ousted. Like he is like hatching schemes to like go back and take over. So one time he like tries to get an expedition going one time. As soon as he like sails out of the port, the U S Navy arrests him and like sends him back or they don't arrest him. They like send him back in the country yeah. and they're like, wonder how not, many men he had on that ship. You're not going, uh, I couldn't 70. <laughs> yeah. This time we're going with 80, 15 more. That's all we need. I've got two football teams. Yeah. I've got a couple of guys down there that probably remember what happened, but and they're ready to go back to fighting. <laughs> but you're right. They just kind of slap him on the wrist, and they're like, hey, you know, no more shenanigans. <laughs> so one of the th- interesting things that um, I think it was in the Wikipedia article, uh, it talks about, you know, how he's like he, – a lot of people like him, and a lot of people are like, you know, like I said, they they look up to him or whatever. They think he's a hero. He comes back to the U.S. and starts shit-talking the Navy for, like, arresting him or whatever and, like – but that's, you know, he loses a lot of support because of that, because people are like, you know, don't talk shit about yeah, the U.S. Sure, Navy or whatever. And then that's like one of the things that's speculated about why they like kept fucking with him a little bit. Like, sure. you know, he's on the radar. He, yeah, yeah. He called out the Navy. So they're like, OK, we got an eye on you. Next time you try to peace out, you're you're done. Yeah. He finally gets out of the United States. He's going back, trying to get back to Nicaragua. He is arrested by the British government this time, by the British Navy, because they have their own, you know, slavery and interest uh, down down in that area. So they're like, we don't want you stirring up our stuff. So they arrest him again, and instead of shipping him back to the United States, they give him to the government of Honduras to stay in trial for taking over the country. Well, heck yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, no, kinda... no, this time you can't go back and people are going to like you. We're just going to send you to the lion's den and see how that works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I yeah. think it's great. So he stands trial, um, like all his, you know, his generals and his right hand men, which I don't, I, we didn't really go into that, but there's some interesting characters in that bit too. Like one of, one of his generals was a guy, a British dude that was just like a career, like, mercenary basically like or a soldier for hire like yeah. anything anytime he just there was to kill people yeah basically anytime there was some kind of conflict he would just like show up and, and he, get was, he was he's like the guy who killed al pacino and scarface like he's just got these terminator sunglasses on he's just ready to go i was thinking i was thinking jean-claude van damme and something but okay. <laughs> i could show you a picture of him real quick and you will probably take that back. <laughs> oh whoa he actually looks, looks like, like me <laughs> oh wow no he looks like kind of like Paul Cawthon. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no offense, Paul Shout Cawthon. out Paul Cawthon. <laughs> no, we didn't mean to bring no you offense. into the story. We're just like constantly getting sidetracked here. Uh, he stands trial. Allegedly, one of the things he's like, you know, you can do whatever you want to me, but let, you know, don't execute my men. Like they were just following orders, yada, yada, yada. Sure. So like a couple of his generals are sentenced to what they call sentenced to four years working in the mines, which I don't... That sounds bad. (laughs) That sounds... I I almost would rather take the death than do not put me down there. So then William Walker is then executed by the Honduras Honduran army um, by a firing squad. And there's a report like, you know, they they shoot him, like 10 guys shoot him or something like that, and he's slumped over, but he's still barely alive, and then one person (laughs) just walks up, puts a gun straight to his head, and finishes it off Bam. wow that's uh that's a pretty insane ending he got got uh just, i mean there's there's a story behind this you know there's a a moral so to speak that come on it, it something is bad you can't fly too it's, close to the sun here you you've already play, failed a couple times play, you're testing yeah. your luck you're on thin ice don't do it again. And he was so headstrong that he had to do it again. Play in your own sandbox. I mean, all by the what? Time, what did he die? He was like 36? 36, 36 years old when he died. God. I mean, that is a life. Uh, it is a terrible life. That A lot of lives were lost. A lot of, you know, families and people were just upended by this guy who had his own ideals. And wanted all he wanted was his own country. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they could have found him an island or something and said, "Look, here, have this." <laughs> I don't know. Right? Yeah, I mean, essentially, they kept leaving him off. I mean, he, yeah, 
I don't it, that, but that was the whole appeal to the filibustering, right? Was taking over somebody else's country to get that glory of that is taking you know, over the country. Why didn't he go north to Canada and do this? It's cold, dude. Like, why wouldn't you want to go saying. to the Caribbean and like say, "Hey, this is where I want to live." I don't know. This guy seems to not like cool things. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, maybe he likes good weather. Um, maybe I don't know. It. It, the, the, what I get out of this is it kind of makes me want to go to Honduras and Costa Rica and say, "Good for you guys." Yeah, well, um, co- Costa Rica is amazing. I recommend. We have shitty people in the United States, There's but good for you. Everywhere. Like there, there is shitty people everywhere. But we are a country that kind of breeds it. It yeah. seems like. Um, that's the story of William Walker. Uh, speaking of getting worse, hey, is there a statue of him here in? Nashville? <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't. I'm not suggesting we put one up. I'm just wondering. Please don't suggest no, we put I one up. No, never would. I, the thing is, me and you never knew about this guy. Never. And we're from here, so there couldn't be a statue, right? I I hope not. I mean, we like to bring our listenership stories about things that you might not know. You if know, if there is a statue, it should be of of the execution. Yeah. yeah. Which that, one? I don't think that there's a statue of this guy, and why would there be? Him slumped over, and it's like, this is what happens to you when you, you're an asshole. And you you got try 10 to guys in the background pointing guns. Yeah. And then you got one guy with a gun straight to his head before he's dead. Yeah, absolutely. I That'd bet there's a badass statue. Who's the hero down in, in Juan Santa Maria? I bet there's a badass statue of him. He's there, got his own like airport. a Molotov cocktail. There actually is. It's something very similar to that. It's like him holding like a bayonet in one hand and like a flaming torch in the other Shit, hand. Shit, yeah. And it looks like he's like mid sprint or whatever. That's what I want to see. That guy is remembered, and that's you know that's a good thing. But there's so much about. I mean, there are people that are in fatua- Oh, he's showing us a statue that's now. Cool. That is badass. We're gonna put that on our socials to so you guys can see it. So we've covered some pretty shitty people uh, from Nashville or have lived in Nashville. Uh, If you guys listen to our episode in regards to the more you know about Nashville murder edition, uh, there are some pretty bad people. Uh, William Walker supersedes all of them. Um, Yeah, let's cover a good Nashville person next time. Let's do that. We need more uplifting stories. But these are interesting. This is stuff that you don't know that you, you didn't know you wanted to know. Right. There's so many articles. There are books written by William Walker. There are books written about William Walker. There's There's a movie. There's a a 1987 movie that we're probably going to put the trailer on our socials because when old boy first sent it to me, I didn't believe it. Um, I thought it was a fake like uh, grindhouse type. It looks like it. it. It is. And it's got that grindhouse movie voice doing the voiceover. Uh Yeah. But then I also realized it was a movie because after that, I went down a rabbit hole and watched a 20-minute review on the movie. Oh, yeah? Which apparently is a like a farce. Like it's, it's to make the consumer or the viewer think that like this guy was great. And all along, apparently the joke's on you as the viewer because something happens at the end and he wouldn't say mm, it. You know, he's like, cool. I can't do a spoiler thing. But this whole movie is not really about William Walker. I watched the trailer just one time, and was there a helicopter in it? (laughs) There was. There was. I think one thing I was reading about it, because I want to watch this movie now, but um, that that was like a... It, it was made by the same guy that made the movie Repo Man. I don't know if you guys remember that movie from the 80s. So it's like... It's supposed to be a little bit more surreal, I think. You know, uh, it's telling the story, and it's still supposed to be taking place, I guess, in the 1800s. But yes, there is a helicopter, and I think people have machine guns or something. So it's kind of just like <laughs> breaking some rules as far as like you know. I got you. Okay. Who does it, who does it star? It's Ed, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. It is classic looking. Ed Harris. It looks like him from uh, Westworld. That, that, that's true. He does. He ages very well. Yeah. Um, all right, so that is the story of William Walker. Uh, when we began this episode, we said you know we would kind of touch on things that are going on in Nashville right now, as well as other parts of the country. Uh, it is not an easy time for anybody. It is almost like the word you said earlier, juice box, surreal. It doesn't even begin to describe what's happening right now, right? You know, so we you know open the year with a pandemic we've got uh, a president who is not necessarily supporting everything that's going on uh we've got now looting and rioting we've got you know unfair deaths going on we it's just this time we've we've got a curfew 
You know, I don't remember the last time we had a curfew. I mean, potentially yeah. it was when Marsha Trimble was killed in 1975. It's, you know, uh, this, it, it's uneasy. And I've seen some things about it. And, I, you know, it's a passionate. It's like when COVID-19 hit, it was, you know, stay home. You know, it was stay home, wear your mask, do your part, stay six feet apart, wash your hands, prevent the spread, stay home. And now the message is Go the fuck home. Like, you don't need to be out doing this. We understand, I don't know, I I can get personal about it or my own thoughts, but there are ways to protest and there are ways to be a fucking idiot. And that is I, it's just causing more pain. Yeah, I don't, what, so what are you getting at there? Are, are you saying people should not be protesting? No, I don't say you're not protesting. I'm saying if you're out there and you are throwing bricks through windows and you are doing this stuff for your own personal, uh, I, Gainer. I don't know. Yeah. You're, it's almost like people are going down there because they've never been a part of something like that before. And they want to be a part of it. I see videos on Facebook of friends who are going down there just to watch it. Like, why would you do that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I tend to believe, and maybe this is, a bit conspiratorial, but a lot of the time, these the people that are causing that are start like vandalizing property are like basically people that are sent in by the police or by somebody else to just delegitimize this actual like Movement. peaceful protest. I 100% believe that. So, yeah, now on the flip side, though, I think, and I'm not an advocate of violence, but I also think if you want to get your message across, sometimes you have to do things that are. You have to do something fucking large, man. One hundred percent, and that's uh, unfortunately that's where we're fucking at right now. Like it's it's insane. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to get on this platform. People can do their own research out there, but it it is fucking insane how many people are murdered by the police, and it's even more insane watching how violent the police are reacting to these protesters. Like they're just blasting people with pepper spray that are just like not doing anything. Like yeah. they're pushing people down in the street. I saw one there was like an old man with a cane that was like out there. Like he has a right to protest. A dude just comes up and shoves him down. Like what the fuck? This is an old man with a cane. He's not doing anything except for standing there and protesting. Sure. I mean, it's it's literally uh, becoming a, a civil war between, you know, I don't know, authority and, you know, people that are try- just trying to raise their voice and say, this is not right. This is yes. wrong, what you were doing. And at some point, you're right. And when I say go home, I mean go home, idiots. If you want to protest, you have a right to do that. You have a right to go down there and have your voices heard. And if they're not heard and all these officers are not arrested, then mm-hmm. shit is going to happen. You know, we're not going to stop until that happens. It's just insane that I think it's partially fueled by a pandemic and the fact that 39 million people are out of work right now. Yeah, and it's part of it, I'm it's, sure. It, it, it's just and also fueled by our – whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or you support our president or you don't – you have to agree that what is going on with that man right now is not right. This is not the way to conduct yourself. He, yeah, he's not helping the situation at all. He's making things worse, which he is, has a record of doing, you know? Yeah. So, and he obviously has his own ideals and opinions, and those, you know, are bigger to him than a voting group of people, uh, you know, a, a Senate or a House or trying to make decisions versus this stuff, you're sitting up there at 2 a.m. and tweeting this shit. Like, that you're going to, if it doesn't stop, you're going to come in with your own guns. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. we're due for a good leader, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just, I don't know. I don't, let's not get too much further into this, but I just, I want to say, like, we're on the edge of something, it feels like. And I'm, I'm personally a bit nervous to see which direction this is going to go. So be nice to each other. Do that. We don't want 2020 that's obviously going to be studied by our children to end up like being a failure. Like do do something to make it better. Uh I like the the I like the be nice. I like saying, you know, be kind to people. Um you know, we're all going through different things and we can't even begin to understand what our neighbor is going through. Sure. So Dude. just treat everybody with kindness and maybe we'll get through this. Right. Yeah, and police need oversight. Because they should be held to like probably a higher 
you know, version uh, of the law. Honestly, they're enforcing the law. They should be held to it, if not like more strictly than a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we hope we didn't lose any listenership right there uh, <laughs> moving forward, but yeah, it's got to be said. And, you know, it, it's just sometimes you can only hold back so much and bottle so much up. So, um, Wherever you are, we really appreciate you listening to our podcast. Uh, feel free to tell your mom and them. Yeah, I got it right this week. All right, uh, and do some research. There's plenty. If you have any type of means, there's plenty of things you can donate to to help the like protesters that they're being arrested, or you know, just there's stuff you can donate to that's going to help move this cause forward. Sure. Uh, so we'll leave you with be kind and have a wonderful week or try. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you don't have children, have one, have one, catch up. Yeah. We want you to know what we go through. Yeah. The fear. Hay un cielo de frío y llovizna, neblinando desde el irazú. San José está durmiendo